Welcome to Gaffopedia, the audiovisual industry podcast where we explore the world of professional AV, live events, production, and technology. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Linton Galatley. Each episode, we'll dig into topics, both big and small, bringing in key players from around the industry to help us along the way. So let's get into it. Welcome to Gaffopedia. Welcome, Linton. John. Welcome back. It's good to be here. Welcome Indeed. back. It's our first one. It is. Well, truth be told, we did another one episode warm up before, but this is our... No one needs to know. No one needs to know. Well, we've been professional, trying to be. We are. We are. Now, today we are in our My Audiovisual Rental Sub-Hire Businesses Warehouse. What better set could we ask for? Exactly. We're trying to think of where, where are we going to do this thing? We need a set. What are we going to do? It's like, what is more AV than... A rack of AV gear. Exactly. And so you, you don't get much more authentic than sitting in a warehouse. So, And this is, yes, our first go. So apologies, dear listener, if we are a little wonky in a few spots, but bear with us. We will improve. Gaffopedia, we've been talking about it for a while. I wanted to do a podcast. I wanted to do it during COVID, but every man his dog was doing them. But always thought it would be a good idea to talk about the live event audiovisual industry people, the players, who does what to who, when, where, gear, inspirational people, career paths, some other sort of fantastic topics, business setups, accountants, ATO, starting stuff up, buying gear, where to go, loans, banks. Well, that's it. There's not a lot out there, especially from an Australian perspective. There's not a lot of podcasts or sort of um, conversation around it. And uh, I think it's easy to get kind of siloed in your own business or just a couple of people that you have contact with and there's so many ways of doing things there's so much to know about starting a business about you know starting freelancing all this kind of thing indeed um and different areas like if if you're in from an audio background but you're interested in vision like hearing about people that deal with vision every day and and what's involved in that or if you're just coming into the industry you know what are the things you need to know what's what are the things to look out for um i think it's all really important and something that we could really really touch on and and share with a a broader range of people absolutely so john you've been doing this for a while i've been doing this for for a little bit longer but for dear listener out there who doesn't know john tucker Mm -hmm. how did you start where did you start where did this all come from well for me it all started from music i was right into music as a Mm -hmm. teenager played in bands all that kind of thing and just sort of being a naturally techie kind of guy i found myself also wanting to get into the recording side of things Mm. and then sort of the live you know the live side of it as well and so i went and studied music and really wanted to be a recording engineer and get into into that side of things and then slowly realized that that's really really competitive and hard to get into Mm. um but then afterwards just found, you know, there was um, some corporate AV jobs going. I thought, mm. well, that's, you know, it allows me to get some work, get into that techie side of my brain, get that working. Um, and sort of got in there from an audio side of things and um, just went from there, you know. More recently, you've got into uh, streaming and podcasting mm-hmm. and, and, you know, rather than just purely on the tools as an AV tech, how did that transition kind of happen? Well, I guess the nature of uh, audiovisual businesses, um, you know, we, as I said, started as audio, but then as jobs come up and it's all hands on deck, slowly started um, getting thrown some, some vision gigs and vision problems and working through things like that and then realising that that's really interesting as well. 
Um, also think back of when I was working on these big gigs and I'd see the camera guys come in and I'd sort of be there all day setting up and doing all this kind of thing. And then the camera guy would come in half an hour before a show, set up his camera, film it, and then pack it up and yeah. get out of there with more money than I was getting paid. And I thought that's, that's pretty like cool. A sweet gig, yeah. I, um, I, I wouldn't mind trying my hand at that. So mm. that got me interested in that side of things. And um, also with my wife doing social media and um, marketing, that side of thing, um, being able to put together some video productions and everything for people's businesses and that side of things. So um, as you've probably experienced yourself, like over the years, really pivoting and changing with the times, whether it's what happens during COVID or yeah. just, you know, um, what your interests are at the time. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can go, I guess. COVID was, I mean, you were doing streaming before COVID, but uh, was it good or bad for your business? Um, well, it was a weird one because initially it was kind of good because, I mean, people needed streaming and all mm. this kind of thing. I'd been doing it for years beforehand. But beforehand, it was basically this niche thing that, uh, you know, audiovisual companies, when they were, had streaming requests, would often just outsource it and think, look, I don't want to deal with that. I just want to deal with the in-room stuff. Let's get someone in to stream it to everyone. It's a bit more of an IT thing, a bit more niche. Um, so I'd come in and sort of fill that, fill that hole. But um, obviously during COVID with no events going on and streaming becoming a big part of that, the AV companies brought a lot of that in-house and yeah. sort of taught themselves. They yeah. had a lot of time well, to, to go to through it all. Get into it, didn't they? That's it. And they had to do something. Like I think a lot of us felt that we can't just sit here waiting around. We've got to mm. do something or let's, let's sort of move around. So coming out of COVID, that's the interesting thing where the demand was still sort of there, but the supply mm. was also expanded and yep. a lot of AV companies could handle it in-house. And so for someone like me, I had to rethink my approach to it uh, because it was something that was now in their wheelhouse. Mm. So, you know, you've got to um, move around like that. So, yeah. And they, and they can charge accordingly for it too as part yeah, of their yeah. in-house packages. And- for sure. So that pushed me a bit more into the video production side and a bit of, um, uh, you know, videos for social media um, and all that sort of things and for events as well, like mm. award shows, that kind of thing. Yep. So, um yeah, just continually. Well, you've lived, you've finally maybe got to that goal of being the cameraman at the back of the... There you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, it just becomes a thing of trying to, what do you like doing, what works for you, and how can you fill your time with more of what you want and what is going to pay the bills as well? Mm. Yeah. Um, how about yourself? How did you make your start? Well, I was the AV guy at high school, uh, which is a long time ago, but I was in the, what they call the hall crew and uh, playing in a band at high school, uh, did a bit of roadie work, made Super 8 films. Uh, so I guess I've been doing this all my life. Uh, did try my hand to be an architectural draftsman for a couple of years because the careers advisor told me uh, at year 11 that there was no career in what I, I didn't call it audiovisual AV then. We yeah, just yeah. described what I did for the you know, band, school, hall, blah, blah, blah. And he literally said, there is no job in that um, and you need to choose something else. So I did, uh, but I hated being an architectural draftsman. And I'm glad that I got out of it because a couple of years later, 
CAD was invented and computers came in and... Um, Those drawing skills just weren't all out going to cut it. Yeah, I was, would have been made redundant anyway. So I was very pleased that I didn't stay in it. Um, but it came in handy. I was very good at drawing floor plans when I was an account manager. Yeah, it's, it's funny on, how so, these things work yeah. out, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but I... Yeah, I saw an ad for an audiovisual trainee. Uh, I was 19 years old, and that was um, some 35 years ago. Yeah. Um, so I have worked um, in from everything, and I always, I mean, ultimately management. Um, owned uh, my own couple of different own businesses, and predominantly now I concentrate on reselling or selling consumables. So TechBox yeah. is my main jam full disclosure so that's my main uh focus i have a small audiovisual rental sub hire business called av hire as well where i just cross high gear um but i don't do shows i don't do my own events anymore uh, and although covid was obviously not good for both businesses but it did change my focus and it did make me go uh, look at things very differently. And obviously, I widened the original tech box charter and we started selling technology as well. Yeah. Um, so, so, have you found the transition between being in more of like an AV event, you know, events happening and filling that space, mm. to more of um, the supply side of things? I'm right. essentially, I had to adapt to being in retail. I didn't actually understand that what I was going into. And my wife said, you do understand that this is retail, and I didn't believe her because she came from retail, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. music retail, brashes and JB Hi-Fi. Brashes, I, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I didn't think it was be retail, but it is. And the margins and the business model and everything's completely different. It's not rental anymore. It's selling. Um, so it's... Um, yeah, for sure. But Techbox was born out of... I came up with that idea many years ago when I was head of operations at Staging Connections before Encore days. And we were always being hammered by upper management on how to trim costs, where is the stuff going, who's taking it, why we spend so much, uh, why do we have to spend so much to buy so much to have it get stolen, why do we have to buy a pallet and then, like, can't we just go out and buy a box? No, 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 we, you, know, you don't get a good price unless you buy a pallet and all yeah, that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So uh, I stumbled, I was standing in front of a vending machine one day and said, why can't I put a roll of gaffer tape in this? So... Um, I knew you would think that. <laughs> yeah. So why can't I... Why can't we just... Oh, this machine sold office stationery. Oh, okay. It okay. So it's kind of... That's, you know, it yeah. wasn't lollies. No, kind of, no. Yeah, it was, it was essentially some way there and it was like, well, clearly you can do this for other things now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I bought a machine and uh, started experimenting with putting rolls of gaffer tape. So, so where did it start? Like, where did the first machine go in? Uh, like... 2016 it started and I think in 17 we did the first machines yeah Uh, bought the first couple of machines on a a whim on a a gamble Uh, configured them booked in to do the uh, integrate trade show uh, and bought a three by three booth and plonked two machines there and um, heaps of people saw them it was at the Melbourne Convention Centre and the Melbourne Convention said love it We'll do it. <laughs> and a few others, um, Encore and stuff, saw it. And, um, and then we rolled out the first few machines. And once, once we had few, all the other convention centres basically just, just came on board. I've been seeing Melbourne do it. 
Yeah, nice. Yeah. So does that usually, is that purely internal or is that, I've seen them outside the actual. Then we were asked by the like Melbourne that. Convention Centre to do the front of house ones with the Yeah, because yeah, they're they, the ones I've seen. And yeah. if you've been in there, you've, you've, yeah. you've, seen, you've seen the boxes there. They came to us and said, you know about vending. Sure. Okay. <laughs> about 10 minutes. Sure. Um, and do you mind, could you consider doing the front of house uh, safety vests and as well? So we, we hadn't gone into it thinking we would do yeah. that, but. Well, whenever you walk in, whenever you walk into the exhibition center, it's out the back. The first thing you get asked, where, where, where's yes. your bloody safety vests? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. that'd be huge. And you get a whole bunch of people that don't, um, don't do that every day. Like right. their main business might not be setting up a, Stall, oh, absolutely. You know that kind of thing. The so. regular trade show people who do it every day do come with their own, but um, most of them are not. Yeah. yeah. The convention centre came to us because they were sick of buying boxes and boxes of them and supplying them, but then losing them. Yeah. So they were losing because everyone will bring it back, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they were just sick of wasting money on it, um, and it just meant the problem went away, um, and they had to see manage that buy them get them keep them put them in the right spots it's just a pain and and the same with the with the back of house machines you know it's a whole world of operational nightmares even if it's only half a day a week it's still 10 percent of the operations manager in that venue's time just yeah, yeah. wasted by doing stuff for consumers which is actually makes you no money um and it's money you could time just, you could be spent just needs to be done yeah but yeah so anyway, that's that's me. That's, that's Tech Box. That's obviously where I've come from. So, but we're here. We're doing a podcast. Yes. Why are we doing a podcast? I always wanted to do one, and I just think it's a really good way to share ideas, uh, talk to some people. Obviously, we know. Talk to some people we don't know. Um, yeah. Explore some topics, and break down some. Well, you know, dispense, dispel some myths. Uh, I think there's a lot of things, as you were saying before, people just keep doing things the same way. They only know what they know. They're often yeah. in silos. I've certainly seen plenty of people that just stay inside certain businesses and do things certain ways. And what a great medium to just have um, discussions. That's it. And that's the beauty. I'm not sure if I said it before, but it's basically there are so many ways to skin a cat basically yes. in our industry, especially now with all the technology yep. um, and whether that's like tape kit technology, yep. like, or whether that's, you know, new software that's coming out, yep. a lot of stuff, software controlled now. Um, something it's I'm interested in. to explore just even things we do culturally and just how yeah, yeah, yeah. things work and what, a bit of history, but, and a bit of, you know, so you don't repeat the past, sins of the past, but also just so you can... Well, that's it. I think a lot of people really focus on the tech as well when mm. it comes to this industry, but a lot of it is mindset. Like, how yes. do you approach a big project mm. and what are the principles behind the decisions you make? Like, I feel one thing I've thought about a lot recently is that there's so much you can do with, like, software and technology yep. now. It's like sometimes it, you need a bit of experience or a bit of... um some principles behind you to know when just because you can do something, mm. should you do something? Yeah. And what are the parameters we're going to put around this? Because the possibilities are almost becoming limitless now. Yes. So how do we build a, a framework where we can actually get things done and not get lost in the, in the sea of what can be done? Or if a client yep. asks for something, what is, you know, when do we say no for the benefit of their own event? Well, um, yeah. And things like that, all, the, all those sort of things sort of interest me, and I want to get a few people on that yep. can well, give their can perspectives, learn from other people's past and experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to bring in some 
friends, some talent people, some people maybe we don't even know, but who yeah. are just important topics that we can actually explore. So we're thinking we're going to get an MC on, we're going to get potentially a show caller. Yes. Um, uh, we want to talk about crew, crewing, operations, uh, equipment purchases, capex, tech type, you know, equipment suppliers. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to get my accountant on. Well, yeah, the business side of things, like there's a, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, in the, in the, in the industry, they might, whether it's starting their own business or yep. their own angle um, that's related to the industry or even just like dipping their toe into freelancing. Exactly. There's all these different things and so much to that, whether it's from accounting, like you said, yep. or like networking is a big one. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely. Um, and the best way to find out about that kind of stuff, especially in your own kind of backyard, is yes. to hear from those kind of people that have done it before. Indeed. So like I'm hoping to learn a lot from that uh, myself. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think we and I guess why... We've decided to do this now, and this point in our careers, that we're both kind of now out of the essentially out of the AV rental game, mm. but we're still connected into it, and we're still in allied industries, but we're not competing. We're not in, um, you know, it's not our version of our our, our AV company. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, we're on the outside looking in, but we've been in it for a long time, and but we're still connected too. And I think that there's a lot of collaboration anyway, like techie guys or girls love to talk about mm. they love to talk about their tech they like to yeah. talk about what they're what they're doing so let's yeah. build a bit of a platform where we can do that mm. on a bigger scale and maybe yeah. they can um you know keep the conversation going and open Definitely. open up more doors of discussion absolutely and here and into the future hope that we could have uh, posed some questions from the audience through social media that yeah, we pre- yeah, definitely. pre-answer or you know, we can ask and they can answer and we can have some topics we can bring in um, but uh, I'm looking forward to some deep and maybe not so deep, some fun, some, en- some entertaining little anecdotes, some stories um, and some learnings uh, from the uh, wider audiovisual rental game mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I'm even going to bring in one of my favourite uh, gaffer tape manufacturers yes. who can talk in depth about how tape is made. Well, as I think I've heard you say before, it is the fabric that holds our <laughs> industry it together. Yes, it is. That's a lovely bit of adhesive cloth tape that uh, <laughs> does bind us all. Uh, and it's, it's, um, it is a common thread, yes, through <laughs> our game. All right, well, I'm looking forward to it. I saw um, If you're, you know, anyone listening jump on whether it's itunes spotify google play subscribe get on board we're gonna have some fun indeed well we'll talk soon catch you on the next one see ya bye-bye gaffapedia is brought to you by TechBox, hippo event technology av hire and cardigan creative catch you on the next episode